please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. 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 We'll be streaming live soon. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Forty-five years. Forty-five years. Um, 
actually Celio, our, one of our mission managers who has been there for a very long time, almost 20 years, he grew up eating at this feeding program. So at this point, this feeding program has fed the parents, it's fed the children, and it's been a part of this community for a very, very long time. Um, I came down to Brazil about a year and a half ago. Back, I've been there about a year and a half when you count all the months. Yes, it's, that's, that's it, because I was coming back and forth from the United States. And when I arrived, we had just started going up into the hills. Actually, I arrived at the meeting where our mission manager at the time, Mr. Roberto, we were deciding what hill we were going to go to. So the way it works is people come to the mission to get food, and Pastor Rick, I guess he had a word from the Lord that it was time to go up into the hills also so that we could reach people who couldn't make it on foot to the mission. And the first place we went was called Baldiador, and it was shady. I remember that was my, that was my introduction to um, ministry in Brazil. We would get into an old rickety bongo, and we would go up. It's a truck. Bongo is a truck. Thank you. Thank you, Betty, Portuguese words. And we would start up this hill, and it's like there's a drop-off here, and there's jungle on the other side. And when a car comes, the Brazilians are so polite, a car comes and you just beep, beep, and the one person kind of scoots over to the side and the bongo could go past. And then we came to this apartment complex. And that was the first time that I had contact with a Brazilian community. And they were so sweet. Um, they were so sweet. They would come out. The little kids had their puppies. Um, I remember there was one man who spoke no English at all, but he, he knew enough, and he said, Oh, Jesus loves you. And over time, um, I started to, we found out why God was having us minister to some of these people because once we started to get to know them better, we got a taste of their lives. We noticed that over time they stopped coming to pick up food, and we couldn't figure out why. And I remember Roberto sitting me down and saying, did you take out your cell phone? You know, were you filming anyone? I was saying, no, no, I haven't done anything at all. I don't know what's going on. They won't come and pick up food. And so eventually we had to leave Valjeador. And it wasn't until a year later that we found out what was going on behind the scenes. And finding out what was going on behind the scenes was actually an eye-opener for me to realize, oh, this is one of the reasons uh, this ministry is important. So what had happened in Valjeador was that there were drug dealers that controlled that hill. And while these people were very sweet, the drug dealers had say over what happened in their lives, including whether or not they could pick up food. And so what had happened was the police were starting to take notice. The police come in and do their job and try to expel the drug dealers every now and then. And they had banned the people from taking food from us. So that's when, that's when we realized this is going to be a long-term thing, and it was. And um, it took eight months. Now, this is something that I learned about the ministry of God. God does not quit. Not all ministry is quick. And Rick knows this because in ministering in this place for almost five decades, there are some times where you have to press into something and you have to keep pressing into it because you know that God wants to reach these people 
and it takes a long time. And it took eight months of going into the hills five days a week, every single time we could, talking with these people. Um, We would visit their families. It took that long to get to where we had gotten their trust. And after eight months, God finally gave us breakthrough. It was from this little assembly of God church. God told me to attend there, and there was a lady named Hita there. And started talking with her, and Hita went, Hita lived in an apartment complex on one of the hills. And once I got to know Hita, then they all started coming to the truck in the morning for food because we had a relationship. So that was how the feeding program got started. And at this point, when I first arrived, we were only at like 30 meals a day because we were just starting to go up. And a year later, God has grown it through those relationships and through pressing in all that time, five days a week. He's grown it to 3,005 meals every single month. And we're up to about 128 per day, and that's actually rising daily. So I don't, I don't even know what it is now. I need to check again. Um. And I want to share some of the people that I've met in the hills because I know that when you give to the feeding program, I can tell you numbers, but I think it's so important to know the people, some of the people that are behind there. So I'm going to talk about a couple of them. Um, The first one is Carlino. Carlino is a wizened, I think he's in his 80s. I don't think he actually knows how old he is. (laughs) He's this wizened little old man. And he's had a rough life. He, uh, he likes to ride his bicycle around. And Carlino's ministry is to take in orphans in the hills. He doesn't even try. They just they show up at his door. And he takes them in, and he becomes their grandpapa. And so we would talk to Carlino, and he'll ask for help. Um, we give him meals as much as we can. Sometimes we even give him more food because we know that he's actually feeding kids. And he'll say, hey, you know, I had another orphan come to me. I have a new child. You know, I need some help. And he does. He takes them under his wing, and he fathers them. And he also, he talks to them about Jesus. And Carlino's life has been very interesting. He had a son who ended up in Macumba, which is witchcraft. And for a little while, um, We had to minister to him because he wouldn't allow his son to practice witchcraft in the house. And Carlino had to make a very difficult decision, and that decision was whether or not he was going to continue to get to see his grandchild or not. And Carlino chose, I can't have witchcraft in my house. I'm sorry, you have to leave. But, praise God, um, about four months later, his son has come to Jesus, and now they're back in the house with him. Um, another couple is Odolfo and Maria, and these are the, this is the first couple that I ever met in the hills, and they're also like a grandpapa and grandmama in the hills. Um, they have two little grandbabies, and Adolfo, his knee is out, Maria's hip is out, and I don't think they can read, but they want their, their grandkids to be able to read. So I'll walk down there, and they have this little dog that will come out named Leon, And the grandkids are sitting there, and even though they can't read, Maria will be sitting there with a book, and she's helping her grandbabies to be able to read. And so these are the type of people that have stories and that we're feeding in the hills. And I wanted you all to know that so that you 
you have a faith that when we act, when we're taking communions up there, it's not just the hand the meals. It's an actual ministry. It's about relationships, and we get to know these families. We get to know their stories, their histories. Um, now Pastor Alanier comes with us, so it's actually ministry. We've even had at this point we've had um, an actual church service that took place in Carlino's house, and. So that is the feeding ministry. There are so many more stories that I could go into, but I don't have time. So hopefully in the future I'll get to talk about it a little bit more. Something else that goes on in Santa Barbara is every now and then God affords us the opportunity to minister to people who might never come in contact with the gospel. Santa Barbara is up in the hills. That means that we have people who are fleeing from the police who end up in the hills. And I have, a, I have a story about this. Um, we were up at the top of a hill one day, and we had our continuous. We started to notice these men who seemed to appear out of nowhere. turns out they were living in the forest. But they, they wanted continuous. And at this point, I didn't know any Portuguese, so I didn't know what was going on. So I'd say, oh, bungee, bungee. They were extremely sweet to me, but I noticed they were very nervous around Celio. And so we started feeding these men. And one day, as we were driving back down, Celia decided, you know, maybe I should tell Kathy what's going on. He said, well, um, the men who were currently feeding up there, um, they just killed a bunch of police, and they're on the run. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, oh, like, oh, I've been, like, I've been ministering to someone who's, like, quite literally straight up just murdered a bunch of people. Like, you would never know. And the more <laughs> I realized, oh, my goodness, like we just had a chance to talk with these people. And we had a chance to, to pray with them. And we had a chance to feed them. And that's exactly what Jesus would do. But I had no idea. And so that's why they were nervous around Celio. And they, they were extremely polite and sweet to me because I'm American and I don't know anything and I can't understand what they're saying. And the thing I learned um, through that was that a lot of times the people who run into Santa Barbara to hide, you know, if they could choose a different life, I'm pretty sure they would. Um, a lot of them grew up in drug deals. They were put onto the street by their parents or their uncles by the time they were 10 or 11 in order to move drugs. So they don't know anything else, and they don't have other skills in a way to support themselves. And that really changed my idea. You know, it's, it's not so much that the gangster hardened criminal, it's, people who that's the only way they know how to feed themselves and you know they can be they can be like the sweetest people but that's their livelihood and um let's see so that's the feeding program that's some of this that's one of the stories from when we got to minister to um people who had just finished murdering a bunch of people and the next thing that we've been working on is the children's program and that is a that is a long story. So I'm going to keep it pretty short. God, 20 years ago, God had a very large children's program that was ministering to over 200 kids in the hills. And it was time for a new generation because those kids have now had families and they have kids. And so God has started that back up. And the way he did that was he sent me down there, and I started contacting different churches. God started sending in the volunteers. It was pretty much all God. 
um, sending people. And we started having kids come to the mission. And twice, the, twice a month, we would have something similar to VBS. We would feed the kids. We would play with them, talk with them. We started to get to know their families, you know, what they're like. And one of the girls that has been there from the very beginning that has just been on my heart, her name is Anna Claris. And I might cry a little bit. When we first met Anna Clara, um, we didn't know what her home life was, but you could tell it was extremely rough. And even if you gave her a hug, she would, she didn't want anyone to touch her. And she had a little brother named Joao, and she would bring Joao. And you could tell that this little, I think she was, she was 12 or 13 when she first started coming, she was the mama in the family. Um, she was. She protected Joao. Anytime anyone, you know, even sat next to Joao, you could see Anna Claire over there in her mama mode went on, watching us. But we had to make a choice to love her, even though she didn't know how to receive love. So we, you know, how are you doing, Anna Clara? Even if she couldn't respond to the hug, you know, give her a hug. Um, when we would go to the store, we'd. See Anna Claire over there. She would never talk to me in public. She would completely ignore me in public. Uh, <laughs> like I'd say hi, Anna Claire, and just. <laughs> but every but one time I saw her, and I saw her, and she was peeking over there, and she was watching me, and I knew I was like she she's responding to love. She is, even though she can't receive it, she is. Yeah. And one of the major breakthroughs that we had with her was one day. She came in, and she handed me her book bag, and she let her brother go play. And that was such a huge moment that when we had a meeting with the volunteers afterwards, everyone noticed it. Have you seen the difference in Anna Clara? She was actually smiling today, and she handed her book bag over, and that was the beginning of trust. And she still comes to this day, and at this point, she still doesn't talk to me in public, but she'll give me a hug. <laughs> she'll give me a hug when she comes in, and she's actually said thank you. And so we're starting to see this, this sweet girl's heart be touched by the love of Christ. Yeah. And so those, are the, those are the things that, man, that, that's ministry right there. And there's a ton of kids, and I can't talk about them all today, but sh- she's just one of them. Where God, he just he doesn't give up. He's been working on her for over a year now, and he's going to keep working on her, and he's going to keep working on that family because he's not going to give up on her. Um, one of the other things we do, especially now that we have Pastor Alanir with us, is community outreach. And a lot of times this is completely spirit-led. Um, I would like to share one story that God put on my heart to share, and it's the story of Ecclesia. And that's a church in Santa Barbara. And what happened was um, Pastor Rick gave me a word. He said, you need to talk to the churches about the hungry kids in the hill. And I said, okay, I have no idea how to do that. Well, one day God reminded me of that, and he said, I want you to go talk to the churches. Well, I didn't speak Portuguese. But I said, okay, Lord, um, tell me where to go. And I felt the Spirit bring up Ecclesia. So I decided, well, you know, I'm going to do what I feel like the Spirit. I have no idea what's going on. And sometimes that's how ministry is going to be. It's just you just put one foot in front of the other. And you don't, you don't have the full plan. So I went down to Ecclesia. I walked in. Can't talk to anybody. 
and this lady comes up to me, and she said, oh, I know you from the English-Portuguese school. I actually teach English there. And I said, oh, great. Um, I need to talk to the pastor. She said, about what? I said, hungry kids. That's all I know. So she said, okay, well, you know what? I'm going to get my son to translate for you. So I said, okay, that works. At this point, I still have no idea what I'm talking about, except that I know I'm supposed to talk about hungry kids. So I sat down with the pastor, and the little eight-year-old boy tried to translate. I had, thank you, Lord, I had no idea what I was saying or what I was supposed to be saying, but the eight-year-old couldn't translate either. So I had a good five minutes to sit there and pray through it on the spot and work out, okay, Lord, why am I here? And finally, the pastor said, you know what, clearly the eight-year-old can't translate well enough because I have no idea what you're trying to tell me. So why don't I go get his mom, who's an actual translator? So by that point, I knew what I was supposed to say. And we were able to talk. We were able to have a meeting with them about how to get reach hungry kids in the hills. They know their own hill. How it works in Santa Barbara is you have churches that are on each hill. So a church on Hill 6 knows the families in Hill 6. A church on Hill 7 knows the families in Hill 7. So since the mission is able to provide a lot of food through generous donors like yourself, it helps us to work with these churches because they can tell us when there's a family in need because we can't do it all ourselves. We, we need the churches in the community to help us with that. And so we're still working with Ecclesia. Um, we're still working out things with them, but that was just something cool that I wanted to share that, that God did. Sometimes ministry is literally one step in front of the other, and he's ahead of you, but you have no idea what you're going into, and that's just being led of the Spirit. Um, another example that I want to share that's also extremely dear to my heart is a lady named Luciani. Um, when I met Luciani, she came into our feeding program, and it, we became friends. We started talking. She has a paralyzed husband at home, which means that she can't work. And the government assistance in Brazil is just not up to par. She also has an autistic son. But we just, I don't know, it was just God, and we started talking with her. And she would come to the mission sometimes. She would, um, you know, we'd have lunch. She'd come over. I'd go to visit her. And I've had the privilege of watching God slowly melt her heart. Um, She had a very bad experience in the past with the evangelical church. Um, You know, I'm sure many of us had. And so, and actually the um, the person she had a bad experience with was also named Kathy, which is interesting. So God sent another Kathy, and she's told me that before. She's like, oh, and I heard the name Kathy, and that you were a Christian. I was just like, hmm. But God has used that over time, and at this point, we've had like seven months of relationship, and now that I'm in the States, we even call each other. And, you know, I've had the privilege of explaining the gospel to her, and she sat down, and she'll talk for hours. You know, I don't understand. You know, I've done all of this stuff. How is it that Jesus can take my stuff and wipe it? And it's just been so interesting to watch somebody get hungry and hungry. And at this point, she's to the point where she knows that she needs Jesus. She's just got to make that step. So those are the kind of things in community outreach that's going on um, all the time through Pastor Alanir, through Celia, through me, Felipe, anyone who needs to be ministered to that comes to the mission. So uh, I'll, besides that, we have the mission trips going on, but today I really wanted to focus on what's going on at the mission full-time, 24-7, when, um, when we have a full staff there and when there's not a mission trip that's happening. So... I hope that that helped y'all today. There are 
so many more stories I could tell, but I only got so much time. So if anyone has any questions, yeah, go ahead, Matt. That's all right. What's a quinchinha? Oh, my bad. I'm sorry. I'm using Portuguese words. A quinchinha, um, it's a little foil, basically Tupperware dish that we put food into. Like at the Mexican restaurant. Yes. So that's what we're handing out every day. We make fresh food, 126 of them, every well, five days a week. Five days a week. Mm-hmm. Yep. Any other questions? Yeah, I'd like to um, ask about the difference in the culture there and here. Whoa. I know that's a big question. <laughs> no. I, I love Brazilian culture. Brazilian culture is extremely community-oriented, family-oriented, and very friendly. If you go down to Brazil, you will be walking down the street, and it's almost like the scene from Beauty and the Beast where it's like, you know, bonjia, 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 bonjia. They all say bonjia to each other. You walk into Dona Nina, which is um, the local market, and they'll give you hugs and, oh, filha, como vai, Roger? It's it's extremely friendly. Um, they like to give hugs. Um, one of the differences in culture, actually the biggest culture shock to me was um, the animals. You walk into Brazil and there are animals everywhere in the grocery store. Um, you'll be getting potatoes and there's a cat right here. Um, the dogs are walking around. There are birds everywhere. So, yes, it's, it's very different. Very, very different culture. Yeah. <laughs> Would you say it's easier in your mind to share the gospel here in the United States or easier in Brazil? I have found that it's easier in Brazil, and I've thought a lot about why that is, and I think it goes back to John 4:44, where Jesus says a prophet is without honor in his own country. Yeah. I have found that for whatever reason, when you're from another country, especially America, because one of the first thoughts I've noticed people have is, why on earth would you leave America? Because we have it pretty good here. Why would you leave America and come and live in Brazil? And people, they, they just listen. They listen. And on top of that, there's a lot of grace there because, like Frankie was saying, there's a different culture a lot of times I'm breaking social protocols and I have no idea that I'm doing that. But they have so much grace for that and I can get away with it. So I found it very different. I found that I can go in Brazil, I can literally sit down and being like, Hi, my name's Kathy. I'm from America. I'm here because of Jesus. Do you know Jesus? And they'll start up a conversation because they're like, Oh, why are you here? Why, why is an American in Brazil? Tell me about yourself. What is it like? And so there's a lot of that stuff that happens. Um, so, yeah, it's, to answer your question, I find it very easy in Brazil, not because, um, not because of the culture or anything, but because I'm, I'm from a different country. Okay. I find it easier. Yeah. I have another question. What mm-hmm. about um, speak to the difference in the way they do business and the way we do business here in the United States? Oh, Oh, that's a different. Like I said, uh, Brazil is very community-oriented, so the way they do business is very relational. A lot of handshakes, um, a lot of, you know, we've known you for a long time. Um, 
you know, it's okay if you pay later. We have a long-standing relationship with Don and Nina. They know us. It's expected that you'll go to the same store over and over again because you have a relationship with them. Um, the church is also extremely helpful. For example, the store that we get the continuas or the, um, the oil dishes from, once they found out we were a mission, they started saying, well, here, you know, we're going to give you a discount because we agree with that work. They're very friendly, very friendly in Brazil. And you'll walk down the road and you'll see people with their shops and they'll be sitting and their whole family will sit in front of the shop sometimes and they'll sit around and they'll talk with you. Yeah. It's very different. Mm-hmm. Okay, Matt. What could we take from Brazilian culture that would help us in America to spread the gospel more? Mm. I would say, yeah, I, I do know what you mean. The Brazilian um, Brazilian church is very different. Brazilians are, how do I put it? I'm trying to put this into words. They are very open with what they think, very open. The church, you will see them praying on the side of the road. You will go into a business, and you will say, quite literally, written on top of the business, I follow God. God bless my customers. Jesus Christ is Lord. You will be going down the road, and you will see a truck with Jesus is Lord written in huge letters. They are not shy, not shy at all about what they believe. And I think that's something that it's challenged me. I know it's definitely challenged me when I come back to America because sometimes I feel like, you know, oh, there's this pressure to not um, to not offend anybody. Yet they they don't have that. Yeah. They don't have that. They're, if they follow Jesus, they're going to post it all over the place, all over the place. So that's something that yeah, that's something we could take out of there. All right. Okay. Well, um, I hope I get to talk to you all again. I hope you all enjoyed that, just some different stories about stuff that's going down there and what Brazil's like. And if you ever do want to come on a mission trip, um, you can give us a contact here, and we can get you started. I've witnessed many mission trips. I didn't even get to talk about that today, but God moves God moves heavily when we bring Americans down here. Um, Brazil is saturated with the Holy Spirit, and... Yeah, give us a call, and if you have any interest, just make that first step of faith, and we'll send you a packet and see what God does with that if you would like to come down to Brazil and experience that. So, again, this is Kathy, and I hope you all have a blessed and wonderful day. It was an honor to share with you all. All right, bye-bye.